You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with the heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Oh Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, we pray that you will draw our hearts and our minds to you this morning. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, therefore I lack nothing. The king of love my shepherd is, his goodness faileth never. These are words that for so many of us are like a friend. They're a companion of hope that has followed us from our childhood. How many times have we heard Psalm 23 with a casket or an urn nearby? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. There's no psalm that stands above the 23rd. Blessed be the day on which that psalm was born, shouts one saint from long ago. So I think Psalm 23 is kind of the John 3.16 of the Old Testament. In fact, I'm sure it is. It's a gem and a treasure to so many of us. So I think it's a perilous thing to speak on a psalm so loved by so many and for so long. And because this psalm is so well-known and so cherished, it runs into twin dangers. Number one, you have the danger of over-familiarity. We know it too well, so we kind of check out when we hear it read, like a, like a high school basketball team citing the Lord's Prayer before a game. That doesn't appear to be a very thoughtful enterprise. The second danger is the danger of pretense or maybe even arrogance of making comments on something that really appears to speak for itself. Analyzing Psalm 23 may be akin to analyzing a rose by by picking it apart. Something's going to get lost in the process. I was on the phone with a friend of mine this week and talking about Psalm 23 in today's sermon, and I told my friend that I was thinking about reading Psalm 23 four times in four different versions, praying and then sitting down, and my friend said, "Not, not a bad idea. So I don't want to pick Psalm 23 apart this morning, but I do want to draw us into some of its more striking and promising features. And what's left its impression on me this week in preparing for this sermon is the moment that this psalm allows us to experience. Charles Spurgeon said, Oh, that we may enter into the spirit of Psalm 23 as we read it, and then we shall experience the days of heaven here upon earth. And I think Spurgeon is right. To enter into this psalm is to enter into heaven upon earth. This is a psalm of confidence, a psalm of assurance. We can speculate about when David might have written this psalm, a young man on a Judean hillside with sheep all around him, an elderly king about to leave this world for the next. All of these have been suggested and more. I don't know, and frankly, I'm not sure it really matters. Because Psalm 23 is a transcendent moment of deep clarity for David. It doesn't matter when it happened for him. We're praying that it happens for us. Because in Psalm 23, the skies part and they clear. And David sees, he really sees, and he understands the whole of reality for what it really is. The Lord is my shepherd and I lack nothing. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is with me. The Lord is leading me. The Lord is near and he loves me. He comforts me. He feeds me. He anoints me. All of my wandering sheep-like existence is making its way to the house of the Lord forever. So this psalm reflects a huge moment of unveiling for David. 
The noise and the clamor of the world recedes to a distant hum, and then David knows, he really knows that the Lord is his shepherd, his guide, and his king. There is not one thing that he lacks. David might want some other things. In fact, we know this, David falls prey to his own lust, the lust of his own coveting. When he takes another man's wife to his own bed, that was a moment of great unclarity for Israel's king. He lost his way, disoriented to the basic claims of his own Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. A hot summer's night with Bathsheba is but a pale and pallid substitute for the beauty and the goodness of the Lord, the Lord who is my shepherd. We need to remember that Psalm 23 is a transcendent moment, a moment of special clarity. It's not a moment that will take over all other moments of David's existence or ours, I'm very sorry to say. We won't always be living into or feeling deeply the force of Psalm 23 at all times and in all places. Just back in Psalm 22, the psalm that precedes this one, We hear King David say, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We hear King Jesus cry those same words of dereliction from the cross a few weeks ago. We'll follow King uh, David to the bedchamber of his own sin and grief and repentance when he begs God to make his heart clean again. The Psalms as a whole are desperately real. They're not pie in the sky. They're not stoic or absent the suffering or pleasures of this world. Not every day is a Psalm 23 day. Not every day is clear. Some days are Psalm 32 days. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. Other days are Psalm 77 days. Has the Lord forgotten his promises forever? But to enter into the experience of Psalm 23, when God so graciously allows us to do so, when those moments come, that is a moment to see and to be seen, to know what's really real. And when King David has his Psalm 23 moment and passes on to you and to me the words to express it, he realizes that the Lord is his and he is the Lord's. It's a moment of absolute peace. I lack nothing. There's no void to fill, no gaps in my existence, no holes of desire that need to be patched. I have the Lord, and the Lord has me. He knows my name, and I know his. With Spurgeon, it's a moment when we experience a taste of heaven on earth. I have a friend of mine, a dear friend of mine, who told me recently that he's been praying with his children at night, Oh, Jesus... Help us to want to want you. I've thought so much about that turn of phrase over these past few weeks. Help us to want to want you. Help us to desire the very desire of you, O Lord. Do you remember those days when you really desired Christ and to feast on his goodness and his glory? I feel this so acutely and will confess how perfunctory and rote 
My own actions can become day in and day out. Oh, Jesus, help us to want to want you more. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. Oh, Jesus, my good shepherd, the one who leads me into the valley of the shadow of death and removes all fear. Oh, Jesus, bring me into a deeper love and affection for you. Not just what you do for me, but for you. The Lord is my shepherd. I need nothing else. So these pastoral images of lying in green pastures and leading to still waters and, and walking on straight paths tell us that Christ cares for our needs. He restores my soul. Might best be understood as he brings me back to life or he keeps me alive. These pastoral images in Psalm 23 aren't necessarily meant to bring a sense of peace and tranquility. They can do that. But I think the images are much more basic and fundamental. The Lord keeps us alive. And why does he keep us alive? Because of his namesake. For his namesake. He keeps us alive because that's God's character, and God's character is his name. He's the life giver. He holds the keys of life in his hands. God's very character is to take things that are dead and to make them alive again. The Lord is our shepherd, and even though we walk in gloomy darkness in the very shadow of death itself, we need not fear. Why? Because God's very character is to lead us to himself, and to be with God is to be alive. For where God is, the flowers are in bloom, and the spring is perpetual. God's very character is to be. He is the living God, and in him, he makes us alive. It's from this mountain peak's view that David sees the whole of reality. David in Psalm 23 sees the arc of his life and really the life of all the redeemed. Verdant pastures to death's dark valley to the house of the Lord forever. To a view like this one, David can only respond with the beauty of song and the confidence of faith. David's song and his confidence rest on clarity and his clarity about one central facet of his existence now and forevermore. It's right there in verse 4. For you are with me. So these first four verses of Psalm 23, they have two I will phrases in them. These I will phrases are the necessary response of any human being who truly believes and knows that the Lord is his or her shepherd. I will lack nothing. I shall not want. And I will fear no evil. I have to admit, that sounds like a very good life. I can't even imagine living fully into the hope of those truths I lack nothing, and I will not fear. I believe this is why Spurgeon said to experience this psalm is to experience heaven here on earth. How else could one better describe heaven and the new creation? A place where we live into the fullness of God's own beauty and goodness, lacking nothing, fully satisfied, cravings and desires met and satisfied again and again, in a place where there is no fear, no anxiety, no relational breakdowns, no quarantines, green pastures, still waters, safe pathways, and the fullness of life itself. 
I love how David, here in Psalm 23, mixes his metaphors. We move from the pastoral and shepherding images of the first four verses into a royal banquet hall in the last two verses with no explanation or transition. David is laying it on thick in Psalm 23, and why shouldn't he? This is a special moment. It's a heaven-on-earth moment. So we jump from verdant pastures in the first four verses to the king's banquet hall with the Lord himself as host and server, spreading out a table before us, anointing us, wine cups overflowing, right in the presence of our enemies. The image of eating a king's feast right in front of our enemies pulses on the page. It, it moves us. I'll have to, it's moved me this week. Our natural inclination, I think, is to identify enemies with people, and that's certainly understandable. But the word goes beyond people to everything and anything that keeps us from experiencing the full range of Psalm 23's promise. God in Jesus Christ pulls the chair back and offers you a seat, pours you a cup of wine, refreshes your body with oil right in front of our fear and our anxiety and our disordered passions and our selfish ambition, our addiction, our sin. Jesus, the great Shepherd of the sheep looks right into our eyes in the presence of our enemies, enemies that could damn us. And he offers us a seat at the table. And know you not, says love, who bore the blame. Know you not. I've kept listening to musical versions of Psalm 23 over and over this week. I think my, my poor kids are probably sick and tired of it. Alexa, one more time, please. One version of a song that I've been listening to this week has a chorus that repeats, surely goodness, surely mercy, right beside me all my days. God's goodness and his steadfast, unchanging, unalterable love follows us all the days of our lives. And if I can be that guy for a moment, this is one of those cases where the Hebrew text is more poignant. The term for follows is more active, it's more aggressive, perhaps best translated as pursues. God's goodness, his steadfast love is chasing after you all the days of your life and will lead you eventually to God's house forever. Surely goodness, surely mercy. It doesn't get much better than Psalm 23, especially when you're tired or you're weary, when your existence seems light years away from verdant pastures. I lack nothing, when in fact I feel like I lack so many things. But here's the gospel promise for you and for me this morning. Even if you're not feeling Psalm 23 this morning, and I want to tell you, I want to feel it and to experience. I need, and I'm sure you do too, those heaven on earth moments now. But even when we're not feeling it, even when David makes that fateful move to Bathsheba, even when you or I give in to despair or our experiences with sin and suffering take us to a different place, the Lord is our shepherd. His goodness and his steadfast love are still pursuing 
as one of my favorite childhood hymns would confess, O love that will not let me go, I rest my weary soul in thee. I imagine some of you are weary today. In many ways, our world is weary today. I can't promise you that every day will be Psalm 23 for you. We don't get heaven in its fullness until heaven. To experience Psalm 23 in its fullness requires the dark glass of our existence to become the face-to-face clarity of the new heavens and the new earth. So we'll have to wait and continue our journey here, living into the calling of God in our lives and thanking him for those moments when he gives us Psalm 23 clarity. I pray this morning is one of those for you and for me. Because the beautiful truths of Psalm 23 stand, no matter where this psalm finds you this morning. The Lord is our shepherd. We lack nothing because in Christ God has given us himself. His goodness and his love will pursue you, will chase you right into the Lord's house forever. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.